Pastor Xavier Reese says, life after death is our destiny, but our eternal destination is our choice. If you think Christ came to condemn you, you are absolutely wrong. Read John 3.16. God loves you. If you think you will escape the judgment, you're doubly wrong. Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed unto man to die once, then the judgment. Going to heaven is a matter of choice. Romans says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We're all too familiar with the televised award spectacle routine where the winner rises out of their seat to receive their deserved award. But did you realize there's a spectacle of another kind at the glorious second coming of Christ, when the righteous are raised to meet their Redeemer and receive life everlasting? Scripture also tells the wicked won't be overlooked, however, as they too will be raised to receive their deserved fate as well. As Pastor Xavier concludes a fascinating study series of the book of Daniel, he takes the final moments to reveal important simple truths of the end times. Let's listen. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And the message is entitled, The Resurrection of the Just and Unjust. God revealed to Daniel here, through the angel, every human being will be resurrected, and it's characterized by three things. First, the resurrection is certain, absolutely certain. Second, the resurrection of the righteous. And thirdly, the resurrection of the unrighteous. There should never be any doubt about the resurrection, but it's absolutely certain. The angel told Daniel, notice, that many of his people would be resurrected from the dead. The many refer to the Jews whose names were written in the book, verse 1. The indication of many is to the great number, but not to all Jews, in terms of one side being the righteous or the other. Every Jew will be raised, but he divides them into two categories that we're going to see. Every Gentile will be raised, but it's going to be one of two categories. The reason is that not all were true Israel. They weren't true believers. Paul the Apostle says in Romans 6 through 8, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 through 8, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh. Those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Now notice the reference to those who sleep in the dust of the earth is the Jews in the grave. The word sleep is a euphemism for physical death. It is never used of the unbeliever, always of the believer, Old Testament as well as new, okay? The reference to awake is figuratively to the raising of the dead from their graves, the word awake, again, another euphemism here for physical resurrection. He uses it on both ends. Now, notice the angel told Daniel what he already knew about the resurrection from the dead. This is not new. Daniel already knew this. But in the midst of this very gloom time of great tribulation, Jacob's trouble, God gives him assurance of hope. Okay? Sometimes we can get so bummed out of what's going on, we forget the hope at the end. The resurrection is certain, ending the needs of this earthly life. Secondly, the resurrection of the righteous is next. 
listen to his words, some to everlasting life. The angel revealed to Daniel the righteous would be raised in the future. The statement only confirmed what Daniel already knew again in the scriptures. The some were referred here to the Jew who had died in faith, believing the promises of God. Those who died from the time of Adam till the resurrection, the first resurrection, as we'll see. The phrase everlasting life, as you know, it means perpetual life that never ends. Quantity is the focus there. But the phrase, first of all, implies quality of life, a God-like life. Whenever you read the word eternal life or forever, it means God-like life if you're a Christian. If it's eternal life or eternal or forever, on the flip side, we'll see that's in punishment. And this is the case throughout the Old and New Testament about eternal life. Now, notice the phrase everlasting life means being present with God for all eternity then. God created you and myself in this image after his likeness that we might have communion with him and be in fellowship with him. What an incredible privilege. Sin separates man from God. But God, through his promise of the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, made the way of the Messiah to come, become man, die, be risen from the dead. Now the angel, in revealing the resurrection for the righteous to Daniel, was basing it on the redemptive work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. He understood the resurrection. Now he, he doesn't know all particular things, but he understood the scripture. He knew about Messiah. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Paul reveals this to the believer, that the believer is present with the Lord the minute they die. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. In verse 1, he says, we have two houses, the early house, this tent, and a building from God, eternal in the heavens. In verse 2, he says, we desire and groan to be clothed with our abode from heaven, the eternal house. In 3 through 5, we're never found naked. He says it twice. We don't know what we're in, but we're present with him. But we're not in our glorified body. And as we look at the text, we're going to see why. Because it hasn't been raised yet. Then in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, We are always confident we are, uh, that, we are in our bo- that if we're in our body, we are absent from the Lord. So right now, you and I are here. So we're absent from the Lord. Because we're in this tent. We are confident, well, please rather, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, leaving the body behind in the grave. Verse 8. So if I die today, they're going to put this carcass in the grave. But I'm going to be instantly present before the Lord. Okay? Not in my glorified body, but I'm instantly present with Him. All right? Now, Philippians 1.23 again. The Apostle Paul, as we have seen, confirmed the truth of telling the Philippians that he had a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which would be far better. Notice Paul says he would be with Christ and not in his glorified body. So many times we read into a text what we have been taught or heard rather than allowing the text to speak for itself. Now the Apostle Paul discussed the resurrection of the body in great detail as he wrote to the Corinthians because they were denying the physical resurrection, as you know. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, from 35 to 49, let me just give you some of the things that are there. Uh, Paul showed that there was a relationship in the old body, but not a resemblance in verse 35 through 38. In other words, he talks about taking a seed and planting it, okay, and then something comes up, right? Now, what you plant is not what comes up. You've gone to Home Depot, you get a bulb. Do you look at that bulb and say, oh, what a beautiful bulb? It's ugly. This is the bulb. This is ugly compared to what's going to be raised. Now, we get admired by this, but this is the ugly one, okay? And so I put that bulb in the ground. It's ugly. All of a sudden, I get a flower. But when you look at that bulb, you're not looking at the flower. You're looking at the ugly bulb. They're related, but there's no resemblance. Great illustration that nobody ever missed when Paul used it. The Apostle Paul gave the time of the bodily resurrection for the church. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17 is key. As he begins in verse 13, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. There's the euphemism again. Lest you sorrow as others that have no hope. So, two categories. Those who have hope, those who have no hope. You and I are Christians, we have hope. Those who are religious, they have no hope. Right? Doesn't mean we don't cry for our loved ones. Doesn't mean we're not going to miss them. But they're not there. When my dad died, I looked at him. He's not there. That's just a shell. My dad's with the Lord. There's a difference. Then in verse 14, he says, he told them that the dead loved ones are with Jesus. He said, listen. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So, last week your friend died. Christian. He's with the Lord. Body's in the ground. Okay? So, you're still here. He's up there. His body's in the ground. Then verse 15, he qualifies the word. For this we say to you by the words of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So, they're there. Their body's in the ground. You and I are here. The Lord comes in the rapture tomorrow. That's what he's talking about in context. Okay? Then they beat us there because we haven't left yet. Right? Then in verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout of the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Underline that. Verse 16. The departed saints as Paul said, will be descending with Jesus as he comes for his church. They're going to descend to the clouds, and then we're going to be raptured up. The word is harpazo, as you know, suddenly, violently, to meet the Lord in the air. Now, when we go up, we're going to be translated as we're going up, and we're going to be harpazoed. What did he say? The dead in Christ shall rise First, so there's a relationship between the body that's been put to the ground and the spirits that are coming down, but there's no likeness. So the minute that we are raptured up, we're being translated and changed, and we're being caught up, harpazled with them, it says in verse 17. Who's them? It can't be the ones that are with Jesus. They're there already. Who's the them? The body's in the grave. As I'm being translated up, their bodies are raised, and they're going to meet their bodies in the clouds as we're going up. Simple. 
the dead in Christ rise first. Christ is the first fruit, and then those in their own order. Jesus said, For the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear my voice, John 5, 28. And so Paul says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. Verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Those alive will escape physical death. The rapture happens tomorrow. You and I are the only ones who escape physical death. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 54 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit in corruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed. In a moment, the twinkle of the eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Paul is very consistent in his theology about the physical resurrection. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from, ek, out from the dead, Philippians 3.11. That's different from being raised, as Jairus says, or Lazarus. Out from, in a glorified body. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. So the manner of their escape is depicted vividly. We shall be caught up, harpazzled, suddenly, violently. Of the 13 times it appears in the New Testament, every one of them give a very vivid picture of being transformed laid it into another geographical location. Philip was baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was harpazled to Azotus, miraculously. Paul was caught up the third heaven, harpazled from the earth to there. The seed is planted out. It falls on the, on the hard ground, the wayside, and the birds come by and harpazled from the earth to the sky. All 13 times it appears, suddenly, violently, a geographical relocation. No coincidence. And so the Latin word, people say, well, where does the rapture of the Bible? Where does it say? The word in Latin is rapiri. That's where we get the word rapture. The word harpazo is synonymous with rapture, suddenly, violently. The blessed hope of Titus 2.13, coming for his church. Paul provides a picture of a long-awaited family reunion. Notice, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The live believers will be harpazled together with them, the bodies in the graves of the departed spirits, to meet them in the clouds or join with their bodies. Well, I'll be there, those who died in Christ. The believer then will be, go before the beam of seat of Christ, as you know, 1 Corinthians 3, 14 through 16, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, Romans 14, 10. We will go before the beam of seat of Christ to be rewarded for why and how we did things, the motive of our heart, not how much we've done. But even if all reward is lost, we're saved by, by grace, so it's by fire, because we believe and trust in Christ. The first resurrection is from the resurrection of Jesus Christ till the raising of the tribulation saints then before the thousand-year reign. Revelation 20, verse 10. Because we're going to be raptured, raised, and so are their bodies, but then those who are killed during the tribulation, great tribulation, they're going to be raised, okay? So it goes all the way to the setting up of the millennial kingdom. 
In fact, Revelation 20 verse 4 says, Blessed and holy is he who has pardoned the first resurrection, because the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. He tells them, therefore, comfort one another with these words in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. What a great comfort that is. Now, the believer is constantly looking for the Lord to come for him. We ourselves drawn, eagerly waiting for the adoption, Romans 8.23. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure, 1 John 3, 2 through 3. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says that we died in Christ, our life is hid with him, and when Christ our life appears, we shall appear with him in glory. Jesus told his disciples as he was ready to, to go to the cross, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many abiding places. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. There's a rapture. That where I am there, you may be also. You must make a distinction between receiving us to himself and coming back with him. First Thessalonians, rapture with the Lord. Second Thessalonians, coming back with the Lord to set up the kingdom. Okay? You must make that distinction or you'll put the church in the tribulation. Absolutely unbiblical. Jesus said, watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, Luke 21, 36. Wow. The resurrection of the righteous is based on this earthly life. Notice lastly, the resurrection of the unrighteous. And no Christian thrives or enjoys this. That's why we preach Christ, that people would repent before it's too late. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. Notice the angel revealed to Daniel, the unrighteous would also be raised in the future. They are all the Jews who were not people of faith in God and the promises of God at this point. Because he's focusing on the Jew. There will be Gentiles, but right now he's focusing on the Jew. Those who chose to walk after their own will, rejecting God's word. Those who believe the things of this world were more important than the things of God. Those who harden their heart towards the word of God and God himself. There will be raised what? To shame, scorn, reproach. It would describe the condition of disgrace and guilt. These will be raised to everlasting contempt. Contempt means abhorrence, disgust. Word everlasting again, perpetual life that never ends. Quantity is there. But the quality, this is not good quality. This is separated from God. This is punishment. The phrase means eternal separation from God. That's the true definition of death. Eternal separation from God. For doing despite to the spirit of grace and the blood of Christ, the redemptive provision for the covenant. Genesis 3.15, Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 53, so on and so forth. The promised Messiah. And then notice the angel revealed to Daniel the white throne judgment of the unbeliever because this is what he's identifying. You find it in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. In verse 11, the resurrection and judgment is after the thousand-year reign, okay? So there's a thousand years between the bema seat of Christ, the believer, and the white throne judgment. Listen to verse 11 of Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the earth fled away and there was found no place for them. In verse 12 through 13, the unbelievers of all time are brought before Christ to give an account for all they've done in their lives according to the works and 
the books are open. He says, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Here is mentioned again. Verse 13 of Revelation 20 says, And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each according to his work. So all those who have died without Christ, they remain in Hades, we usually call it hell, until the end of the thousand years for the white throne judgment, and they are judged. So the second death is described in verse 14 and 15 of Revelation 20. This is eternal separation in the lake of fire, the second death. It is not a second opportunity to accept Christ. Never let anybody tell you that. That's a lie. Death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. So even the waiting place, Hades, shield the grave, is cast in the lake of fire. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, verse 15 says. Anyone. Just like John 3.16, if anyone believes, whosoever, there are some important things that you need to know about the lake of fire by the very words of Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. It's a place of gnashing of teeth. It's a place prepared for Satan and his angels. It's a place of everlasting punishment. It's a place where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. It's a place of torment with fire and brimstone in the presence of the Lamb. He runs hell in the lake of fire. It is a place of torment day and night forever and ever. Well, that's why we preach Christ Jesus crucified, that people not go there. Jesus said, he that believes is not condemned, but passes from death unto life, but the reverse for those who reject life. Jesus said, the hour is coming now that the dead will hear his voice. Jesus said, some will rise to eternal life and some to eternal damnation. For as the Father is life in himself, so he has granted life to have life in himself to the Son and has given to him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear my voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Those are the words of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, not my own. If you think Christ came to condemn you, you are absolutely wrong. Read John 3.16. God loves you. If you think you will escape the judgment, you are doubly wrong. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man to die once, then the judgment. If you think that Christ is at fault because he didn't predestine you, you are triply wrong because going to heaven is a matter of choice. Choice. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You get to choose whether you want to go to heaven or hell. The choice is yours. The resurrection of the unrighteous is based on rejecting faith in this earthly life. What a way to finish the book of Daniel. The Daniel was revealed that every human being will be resurrected. I don't know where you're at, but I hope that you're not on your way to hell. 
if you are, you can switch freeways. It's a matter of choice. Get off the off-ramp, get on the right road. It's called straight and narrow. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing a series of the book of Daniel by reminding us of the many choices in life, there's one that determines our eternity. Now, today's study titled The Resurrection of the Just and Unjust is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace and is a great way to pass on this message to a friend when you're through. Plus, everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together will be included as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Resurrection of the Just and Unjust or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com